Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, the very special Monday Pickups edition I am merely Andy Barons, your usual host, and I am joined by Hall of Famer, verifiable fantasy legend, Scott Pianowski. Scott is somewhere near Detroit right now, which is home to the NFL's hottest team. Scott, how are you? Great. Uh, got uh, a lot of snow coming down. Got a dog with a lot of snow on him. He'll probably bark at some point <laughs> during this podcast, but uh, I'm doing I'm doing fine. Punched a few tickets this, this week for the playoffs, which was good. It's good to get the asterisk by your uh, by your team name. Yeah, I'm used to the asterisk for other reasons, but you know, in this case, an asterisk <laughs> is something you want, right? Yeah, um, means that you can play. You know, especially if you have a buy or you don't. I I may be still playing for playoff seating in week 14, but um, and we may have talked about this in previous podcasts. This is certainly the time of year when your pickups go you know, a week or two ahead of time. I was yeah last week. I was picking up defenses that had good matchups down down the stretch, stuff like that. You you have a different shape of objective now than you would, would have had in September or October um the uh well since you brought up defenses I've actually been collecting the uh the Green Bay defense Me which too. is curiously available in about 70 percent of Yahoo leagues they come off their bye with Chicago then they get Baltimore I mean they've got like a string of if they're not if they're not necessarily great matchups they are they are takeaway friendly matchups right like they they could easily get two takeaways in every game for the rest of the season they're also the weird team that is like actually a legitimate good real life defense that um has some spillover into fantasy yeah and because there's been this is a year where there's like three or four teams we can pick on I, green bay was an early ad for me denver was an ad for me because they're getting the lions although as you said detroit smoking hot right now but yeah you know, denver at home and i'm not even sure denver's defense is that good but I, I thought maybe the opportunity to go up against golf and company you know, it's funny that Thanksgiving game was just one holding call after another. The Lions only had three enforced penalties on them yesterday. So either Dan Campbell got the message across to his offensive line or maybe the NFL got its message across to the officials. You guys are not the show. People actually want to watch the game yeah. and not, you know, uh, son of Hockley talking for you know, for 27 minutes. <laughs> before we before we dive into the pickups, uh, get a give give us your read on the on the MVP race right now. Is it? I feel like maybe it's Brady's to lose, but Kyler came back really strong, had a nice game. Kyler actually 
Kyla leads the NFL uh, off the top of my head. I believe it's in completion percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating, a whole bunch of things that matter. But then Brady, of course, also leads the NFL in a whole bunch of things that matter, uh, including touchdown passes and passing yards. So uh, if if we're handing it out right now, is it Brady's? Probably. Murray probably missed too much time unless he ends yeah. with a, a ballistic run. We've said this a lot on this show and, and also within the show with Frank Schwab. It's close enough. It's jumbled enough that it, it's the award's still out there to be won. Somebody has to. Nobody's put in so much MVP goodwill that they can coast to the award now. I mean, whoever wins it is going to play very well over the final month of the season. But if Brady plays well, it's hard for me to imagine him not winning. And I wonder if all the ancillary stuff with Rodgers, how the voting public will handle that. You know, because he's kind of become a, a little bit of Rodgers against the world. And I, I don't know if the vote, and he also won last year. Sometimes fatigue can play into these things where they don't want to name the same guy every year. But uh, Brady's the favorite. I think Rodgers still has a chance. With Murray, he has to come out smoking hot the rest of the year and then have other people maybe not play their best. But I'll tell you what, though. That was the most proactive running Murray I've seen all season. I he, right. His rushing production was way down. And it's because he was playing hurt. I, I don't remember early in the year if he was running that much. I don't think it really was. But uh, you, you saw him like two touchdown runs. There's a guy who did not look at all concerned about his health. Concerned no, about it looked easy. Ankle. Yeah, looked easy. I, he was like, oh, okay, Chicago defense. Uh, guess what? You're about to get married. Um, yeah. So uh, if, did you see that great highlight, by the way, the guy, um, the fan in the in the back row who was trying struggling to, with the poncho? Yeah, either yeah. I don't know if he's trying to put it on or, or take it off, but he was trying to do something with the poncho. And then the great Warren Sharp said, you know, this basically sums up the Matt Nagy experience, you know, in 15 seconds. It got uncomfortable, right? Like the the camera lingered on him a little bit. Nobody helping the man. Nobody helping um, the poncho guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope some Chicago radio station, you know, has reached out, identified the person. First, I hope the poncho has been removed. I mean, he may have driven home with that thing on. I don't know. Uh, written, you know written, written the public transportation, whatever he did. But I um, I hope somebody reached out and gave him some swag or, you know, let, let him at least. How know, about it? At least we don't know who it is, right? It's, it's literally, you know, it used to be that the, the fans wore the bags over the heads, right? You know, we were old enough to remember the Saints where the, the fans came with the bags over the head. In Chicago, you wear a poncho to obscure your face because you're so embarrassed. I'm really glad that that happened because it uh, it quickly replaced the image of the shell-shocked Iowa fan from the night before when, oh, <laughs> when Michigan went up by two touchdowns. And they and they cut to that poor man who was just dazed, who had, who had obviously taken just a couple of body shots from uh, from Team Harbaugh. Um, you know, so one, it was one, good. I will say one thing, one cool thing about the Bears is with all the turnovers, it's always fun to see who on the offense is interested in tackling. You know, it's like, yeah, Mike, Mike Williams yeah. had an awesome tackle in the Bengals game. But you have Andy Dalton. I think he maybe he should have been a defensive player. He may be a better tackler than he is a quarterback. Didn't like Justin Herbert had a great tackle in the Bengals game, too. That's bad when we're pointing out multiple chargers who had uh, who had Lots great tackles in that but, game. That was a very messy yeah. game. It was a fun game, but it was a messy fun. game, too. That's the NFL, Andy. It's fun. It's messy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, let's dive into some pickups right now. We'll start with running backs. I guess we'll go over the injuries at the top. Nothing, nothing enormous. Uh, Miles Sanders uh, suffered a late ankle injury for the Eagles. They they head into a bye though, so uh, we can be hopeful that he's going to come back from that. Miles Sanders, by the way, despite having a good day, still no touchdowns on the season 
for the NFL's best running team. That's amazing to me. Um, Daryl Henderson was active, which is a good sign. He's got that quad, um, but it basically became the Sony Michelle show and, and, and Sony was rolling. It was just Jacksonville. I don't know that I'd read a whole lot into it, but Sony Michelle was looking really good. I will tell you the ads that, I, in fact, the only, the only two ads that I actually wrote up, you know, I'll, I'll give a long blurb to some guys and then some short blurbs to other guys. The only two that I really wrote up this week, I don't think it's a particularly exciting week for running back ads, uh, were Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. Obviously, they're each coming off kind of up and down 100-yard games, not perfect 100-yard games. They each had fumbles uh, a couple weeks ago against New England, but they are coming off 100-yard rushing efforts, and they've got Jacksonville on deck. That's a good thing. Also mentioned the, you know, we, we could almost mention every Eagles back, right? Because we never know who's actually going to have the big fantasy week. I did mention Kenneth Gainwell. Jordan Howard could also probably return, and he actually seems to be the running back that they like the best, right? So they, they get Washington, I believe, after their bye. Do we have to talk about Adrian Peterson, or do we not have to talk about Adrian Peterson? Uh, he seemed to be the goal line guy for another team, scored a touchdown. It was basically him and Rashad Penny in a just a miserable rushing tandem for Seattle. I don't know. How do you sort this group out? I don't think you have to talk about Peterson. I, I wonder who the ironic uniform is going to be when we forget about Peterson for a minute and think, because like, oh, you know, <laughs> remember Randy Moss was on the Titans, right? Is it going to be Adrian Peterson on the Titans? Is it going to be Adrian Peterson on the Seahawks? Saints? Be Saints? Fo- be football, Saints? Football team, right? I guess he was, you know, pre-football team. He was in the Lions for a season. Um, it's, it's going to be it's going to be hard to remember all the teams he played for. I have a feeling there's one more left in the NFL for Peterson and maybe even a CFL team. But uh, no, not on if you're go if you're playing Adrian Peterson, you're going nowhere, man. You you, are, you have no fantasy upside. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to mention a couple guys you, you didn't mention. We never it's really it's really hard to know Monday afternoon what to do with the Monday guys. But I'm curious to see if Matt Breida shows anything tonight. By the time you're listening, for all we know, Matt Breida may have had 98 yards and a touchdown. He may have had 13 yards and a fumble, but uh, 41% rostered. At least he should be on your radar as they've seemed to sour on Zach Moss. He didn't dress in the previous game. Actually, he was dressed. He just wasn't in uniform. Um, you wouldn't want a naked <laughs> player on the sideline. But Yeah, three touchdowns in three games uh, for Matt Breida. Looking good. Playing about a third of the snaps entering in a, into uh, Monday night. Yeah, I knew you'd be conversant in Breida even if I brought him up out of nowhere. And because Chuba Hubbard was so ordinary the last go around, um, I think Amir Abdullah has a chance to to maybe sneak in some you know deep league relevance uh, with Carolina. They were on by this week. A lot of times those players kind of get ignored. So if you're scraping, I'd be fine with with him. But um, the big name here is Hilliard. I I, th- I thought he was better than Foreman in the New England game. I know a big chunk of his production came in that one run, but yeah. He was also effective on other I – mean, he had decent yards per carry even if you take that one run out. And he had, what, eight catches the previous week. I know that was game flow, just uh, you know, descriptive and everything. But I feel like if they get behind, he's going to play more than than Foreman would. I, Hilliard is the Tennessee back that I would want. And, I feel like uh, the complicating factor there is that uh, Jeremy McNichols could come back from the concussion. I assume he will after the bye. And Hilliard had basically stepped into his role – I don't like I don't think he goes away. I, I think we end up possibly with like a like a three man committee. And that's just that's just one too many. The, the, the rule of two and three. Right. I mean, you can yeah. live with two backs. You, you can as long as the quarterback isn't totally bogarting everything. And that's what, by the way, gets in the way of Gainwell. Well, then again, I, I don't know. I mean, did Minshew play? Well, we'll talk about the quarterbacks. I don't know if Minshew played well enough that Hurts is they're going to take their time bringing him back. If there's a 
controversy here. Man, that offense looks so much more efficient with Minshew, which I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump on all the Philadelphia stuff, but I feel like Gainwell's a hard guy to pro, proactively give numbers to because there's yeah. just so many moving parts in that backfield. There's other guys who can play, and also you know I, I know this didn't hurt me, but I may have told somebody to play Boston Scott here or there, and I feel terrible about that. I mean, he I don't think he got a touch in that game. He was in uniform but wasn't used. And um, that's what happens when you have a team that's, that's just littered with this many options is that sometimes plays like that. Or, not that I loved Boston Scott. He was the desperation play at best, but you know, Philadelphia is a complicated offense. I mean, you know, Devonta Smith did just about nothing in that game too. Yeah. You know that, I mean, the coach was pretty clear after the game that Jalen Hurts was, was still his quarterback. And I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, it is the Jets, right? What else are they, uh, they going to say though? Oh, you know what? Uh, you know, Hertz is on the trading block. We might cut him by the end of the week. I mean, of course they're going to say that. I mean, they, they're a fascinating team because they have so many choices, right? They have all this draft capital coming in. Right. And they have two quarterbacks. You don't think Pittsburgh would want whatever quarterback they want? I mean, I think, I think a coach would have said, we're going to evaluate the position and we'll look at, you know, I haven't not had a, quarter, a chance not to watch a quarterback. the tape yet. I don't, think, I don't think they say that a quarterback. Tell me the last coach you said, well, it's an open competition now. They... You, you know, look at all the all the happy silliness that Chicago said all along. Like, you know, like Andy Dalton was a five year solution for the Bears, when we all knew it was just a matter of where's the onboard point for Justin Fields. You, we might just have different opinions of Gardner Minshew because I mean, might, he's he's had some awful games. Like he's had some. I feel like we kind of know Gardner Minshew, and he's a he's a bit of a roller coaster. He's he's coming off a very good game. I think the league is more fun when he has a starting job somewhere, but I. I don't know that I think he's like a top 20 quarterback. I don't know that I would halt the development of Jalen Hurts so that I could see more Gardner Minshew coming off of a nice game against the Jets. I just I just can't imagine it. Maybe that's just what I'm rooting for because I have so much Hurts, too. That's also possible. I mean, we know, look, we've said this all season. Hurts is the biggest gap between fantasy and reality in, in the NFL right now. He's a oh, we got guy. another one that we're going to talk about real soon. But yes. Yeah, I look forward to that. Um, I guess I find, any final thoughts on this um, underwhelming running back uh, landscape? Uh, no, not really. I'd hate to start almost any of them. I agree with you on the on the Tennessee guys being the priority. It's good actually when we don't have you know some buzzy must add running back uh, to talk about in a pickup segment because that means that there was no catastrophic injury. It means that there was no you know significant injury to a marquee running back. So it's fine if we have a quiet week at the running back position. I wouldn't. There's not there's not really any of these guys that I would uh, that I would necessarily feel comfortable with rolling with in uh, in a playoff matchup if you've got a postseason matchup coming up. And I still actually, as I think about the Tennessee situation, I don't know. I don't know how many leagues um, Derrick Henry was was just straight up dropped in, but I, I, I would pick him up, like especially if you've got an IR spot. I think he's worth it. Um, do I like would I bet on Derrick Henry coming back in week 15 or 16? No, not necessarily. But the even even the remote possibility of it gets me pretty excited that would be an amazing card to play in the well i would think i mean if there's an ir spot in your league he's the the owner the manager um who had henry never dropped him but you know what i've added him in in places where we do have ir spots and i and i know his his ownership percentage who would have done that i his roster percentage is like is like 90 percent right now it's not like it's not like it's happened in a in a huge number of places but what a i mean what an incredible lottery ticket and i'll sign i'll sign off on finding room for him um try to especially now where you're not we do have buys in week 14, but we're, we're basically through bye week season. And the idea is you, you're no longer depth is no longer what we're going for here. We're going for the best possible starters and the best possible yeah. starters. If you can throw Derrick Henry into even one playoff game, 
that could be the difference between winning and losing and you know the whole the whole the parade the the dvds the 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 hats you know all that stuff and you know nobody remembers she comes in second you think you're kidding but i make hats i'm sure sure, i know you plan parade routes that i'm sure of hell yeah i do you got to get out in front of it right i gotta i gotta talk to the city managers i've got to make sure that uh, a lot of planning yeah a lot a lot of civic planning that goes on um you you need a certain amount of police detail and and stuff like that you know there's there's certain zoning rules and you know the the vendors have to be licensed stuff like that although i'm sure there's a lot of unlicensed andy barron's memorabilia out there it may be more valuable on the black market oh my my attorneys are on it my attorneys are always uh scouring the the web for such things let's uh let's dive into the quarterbacks because i i guess i kind of teased um the the single player for whom fantasy scoring is is just broken so let's let's talk about the quarterbacks a bit we've you guys know the injuries. Um, Jalen Hurts couldn't go this past week. He's now headed into a bye. Uh, Tyrod Taylor apparently dealt with a bit of a wrist injury uh, this past week, and Davis Mills takes over. He's surely going to be the starter going into week 14. We're not going to talk about him as a fantasy ad. Mike Glennon was concussed. That could lead to Jake Fromm whew, getting a start for the Giants. Uh, there's no way that goes well. The guys that I actually wrote about, um, and we'll, we'll start with someone who is just coming off an irrefutably bad game. And this is this is where I say, you know, just the differences between real life scoring and fantasy scoring totally broke down where Taysom Hill was concerned, right? Interception after interception, uh, really struggled as a passer, actually, actually suffered a finger injury in the game, the same sort of tendon injury that has cost Russell Wilson uh, time earlier in the season, although apparently Taysom is, is going to attempt to play through it. We have to consider him as a as a fantasy factor because in a game in which he turned the ball over four times, he scored over 27 standard fantasy points, right? Like just ridiculous rushing output in that one. Hurdled a dude, had over 100 rushing yards. It was just unfair. And then they were, you know, obviously they found themselves in a bit of a late shootout. So he's got a couple of touchdown passes, a million interceptions, ugly, ugly game from Hill. And it was great for fantasy. So I, I think Taysom Hill has to be in our plans. And then it's a big step down to the rest of the potential options, I think. The, the guys I mentioned in the column were Garoppolo, Taylor Heineke. Again, going back to Garoppolo, um, he, he obviously wasn't a clinic against Seattle this past week either. But we've talked about the remaining schedule for the Niners, and it's just it's silly. It's uh, Cincinnati, then Atlanta, then Tennessee, then Houston. There's no negative matchups coming up. That's a really, really friendly schedule. If they stick with him, and I assume they will, he's going to have another series of, I don't know, two touchdown, 230-yard weeks. He can be he can be loosely useful. Um, also mentioned Taylor Heineke. He's got Dallas coming up. He's got Philadelphia twice in the fantasy playoffs. That's a friendly matchup. I mentioned Ben Roethlisberger as a potential ad. If, you know, again, if you just need that sort of 230, 240 and a couple of scores, Ben can clearly still do that. He's got Minnesota coming up on Thursday night. And the last guy I threw into the mix, I don't think I could do it. But hey, um, if I'm in a deep league and I'm staring at Cam Newton, I don't know, maybe. I think he was my drop last week. I'm not terribly excited about it. It's coming off a game in which he completed only five throws. But he does have a rushing score in every game with the Panthers. Again, I don't think I can pull the trigger on that one. But uh, you sort these guys out. It's nice to see Hill validate the the faith that you know, we, I think we've had in him in the past. That again, it's that gap between fantasy and reality. He he played an awful real life game, and the Saints have a lot of problems. They have multiple injury cluster injuries on the offensive line. Their their best receiver didn't play the whole season, pretty much. 
I don't think Michael Thomas played. He's certainly out for the year. Uh, they don't have their starting tight end. They have a, a very pedestrian group of receivers, and we never know if Alvin Kamara is going to play. Other than that, everything's going according to plan. <laughs> but I mean, look, let's give it up for Hill. It's really hard to have a 27-point fantasy day when you throw four picks, right? It, it's it? like failing a class in college and still getting like a 3 or something. It's like, hey, it's hard to do, <laughs> you know? I may have known somebody who did that once. And I don't know. I mean, I mean, I may not. Uh, you know, Garoppolo, the, the only thing about Garoppolo is that, man, that offense is, and I know he averaged 10 yards per attempt in the Niners game, but man, they're so much better when they have Debo Samuel. I, yeah. I, I want to go back a year and try to figure out why, when did the fantasy industry decide that Brandon Ayuk was better than Debo Samuel and why? Because De- Brandon Ayuk's a perfectly fine player. Debo Samuel is a god. <laughs> they're two totally different guys. I I mean, Ayuk I did have it. some wow plays last year, right? Like, Ayuk... I don't, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to totally dismiss Ayuk, but Debo he's, Samuel's he's obviously he's on a good, different level. But yeah. he's good. But I mean, I, man, I just feel like Debo Samuel is always going to be the lead singer of that group, and you know, Ayuk is going to be one of the other guys. And seemed like Ayuk played like one of the other guys yesterday. He was okay. Didn't lose the game for them, but still, Garoppolo's played at a pretty high level for five, six weeks now. So, um, you know, hope you're in a YPA league. Unfortunately, some of their <laughs> touchdowns are some of the touchdowns are always going to go to the running backs and. I feel like Garoppolo never he never has like that three fifty and four game that you need every once right, in a while. Right. I, I can live with Heineke. Um they're winning. They're winning what, seventeen, fifteen the last two weeks, I think was the, the final score. So we know that you can't mine a lot of fantasy production when when that's your number. And he probably just lost Logan Thomas, who I thought was a really key part of this offense. He had what should have been a touchdown in the Monday night game. He had a touchdown yeah. this week. So I man, I really needed him in some leagues and I'm sad to see him go. I want to get I, – I can't sign off on Cam Newton. I refuse to do that. I, I want to just really <laughs> quickly get a little argument with you about this Hurts-Minshew thing. I have both players on, on football reference. And look, Hurts is a is an excellent runner, okay? No, nobody's going to dispute that. So you, you get that if you sign off on Hurts. If you look at every index metric, passing metric between Hurts and Minshew, and, and I realize you can't just – the spreadsheet can't be everything. You know, you have – there's scouting, there, there's – there's coaching, there's, style, there's forming an offense that fits a player and stuff like that. But if you just look at every indexed passing metric between these two guys, Minshew would be the check mark almost everywhere. Hertz is below average in just about everything except for, I think, I think his quarterback rating might be league out. No, I'm on the wrong part of the page. But the passing metrics all point to Minshew. This year, uh, Hertz's quarterback rating is 11% below the league average. He's slightly above. Uh, in, in sack avoidance, he's at the league interception uh, rate. He's right at average, and he's below average in everything else. Completion percentage is seventy-eight um, percent uh, when a hundred is indexed. He's twenty-two percent below the league completion percentage average. I I feel like Jacksonville scapegoated Minshew far too quickly last year. He was pretty pretty effective that first year. He went six and six in Jacksonville's rookie year, which is it's pretty impressive. I can't. I don't see anything in Hertz's development as a passer that makes me think he's a better passing quarterback than than Gardner Minshew. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to get thrown into the spot where I have to where I have to argue that that Jalen Hurts is a secretly great passer. I, I feel like I've been pretty clear that he's that he's not. That he's obviously struggled. That he's kind been of inaccurate. funny to see Dallas Goddard have his best game out of nowhere. You know, so Dallas Goddard all of a sudden looked like the guy we thought he was going to be six weeks ago. Right. Right. I, again, what like. We're we're playing the Jets. We're basing this like our newfound opinion on Gardner Minshew is off of a off of a win against the Jets that I I feel like Jalen Hurts even injured could have landed that plane as well. 
man, we've seen Minshew have a lot of a, a lot Man, of really nice games. Jalen Hurts played the Lions and threw for 103 yards. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's had weak matchups. He's played a lot of bad teams. You know, he played the the Broncos, who are nothing special, threw for 170. In fact, Jalen Hurts hasn't even – he's thrown for over 200 yards once in the last uh, eight weeks. And I know that's partly by design. They, they just it is entirely by design. I mean, I they they've clearly restructured their offense, and and like effectively so. They've had an incredible running game. He's obviously an incredible running quarterback. He's only had sixteen starts in his career, right? I think I have that right. Yeah, I mean, one is just a couple of years younger. Obviously, um, uh, an incredible said twenty-one talent. starts, so the the experience level isn't different. Let me let me be clear about what Minshew I'm probably here. three three years older than him. I mean, I just don't. I think we know exactly what Minshew would be, and we're still figuring out what Jalen Hurts can be. I just can't believe they'd make that change, especially after you know reconfiguring an offense uh, into something that they they thought suited Jalen Hurts. I, I can't believe that we would take one game against the Jets and say, "Oh man, we got to ride this Minshew thing out and see where well, it goes." I don't exaggerate because we my know opinion. What's don't coming. exaggerate my opinion to win the argument. Okay? This there's two years age difference by the way. One guy's 25, one guy's 23. Okay. So if if there's a team out there that saw promise in either one of these guys, I think they'd be a great trade piece. And I think they probably will trade one of these guys. Maybe they'll even draft somebody. Although it's not a great quarterback draft. This is this, I want to make it clear what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, my God, Gardner Minshew just turned the NFL on its ear because he beat the Jets and, you know, the world is great. I, I think from 21 Gardner Minshew starts and 16 Jalen Hurts starts, I feel very confident that Gardner Minshew is a much better passer right now than Jalen Hurts is. Yeah, I don't think I'd say much. I, I think I would say that okay. Gardner Minshew is a better passer. So he's clearly he's, the better passer. Let's, let's put it that way. I don't think I would say that. I mean, I like it's hard because I... I find it difficult not to root for Gardner Minshew. He's a he's a super fun player. And I've broken the podcast. <laughs> we may have broken the podcast here, but I I can't imagine formulating an argument that he that he can get substantially better as a passer because he's I mean, he's just flat out lost games. Not to say that Jalen Hurts doesn't lose games as well. But man, Minshew's worst moments are are some pretty terrible moments. I mean, I just don't think that he's how, like how did a, he not rise above the Jacksonville Jaguars? I don't I don't understand it, man. You know, I mean <laughs> How could he not win there? Not to mention they they man, they sold him down the river. He's playing hurt last year and then they, they absolutely buried him. They man, they played terrible when he was gone. I don't know. He 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 Mike Leach is in his corner, and I'm I'm in Gardner Minshew's corner too. I think I think here's here's the here's the bottom line. What's what's the end game to this? Because nobody's winning an NFL title with, with Gardner Minshew. I get it. Could he be Ryan Fitzpatrick? Could he be Taylor Heineke? I think absolutely he could. And I just want to leave it sure. on that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sign off on that. I mean, I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the quarterback, like a healthy Ryan Fitzpatrick shouldn't be the quarterback for the Eagles right now either with a, with a potentially ascending Jalen Hurts right there. I mean, I'd see what I have in Jalen Hurts this year and next year before, uh, before I settled for something like Garner Minshew. I'll say something else too. Um, I know it didn't make sense for a pickup, although it may help Brandon Cooks. I'm glad that Davis Mills is going to get a chance to play because the idea that the Texans first team to be eliminated by the play from the playoff hunt, by the way, what, what Terod Taylor, was there something un, we're going to discover about Terod Taylor all of a sudden, yeah. you know, middle of his career. Mills played great against the Patriots. They should have won that game. And, you know, New England now, and you look what they've done since then, although you know, who knows what's happened on Monday since you've um, tuned in. But Davis Mills looked great that day. He played well against the Rams. He's a rookie. Develop him, see what he is. You know, I I don't know what what else Houston is doing. I mean, you're probably going to lose no matter who plays quarterback. I mean, I, so you're ready to stop the development of Jalen Hurts and and let's kickstart the development of Davis Mills. Okay, I'm with you. I, I don't see why I don't I don't see what hurts. <laughs> what's so exciting about Hurts that isn't 
I don't see why Hertz is clearly like this exciting guy and Minshew isn't. I think they're both flawed players with a limited sample who have a chance to be, when I compared them to Fitzpatrick, what I meant is they have the chance to be somebody who could play in the NFL for 10, 12 years and maybe be a sure. competent starter, you know, for periods of time. I think both of those guys have that potential. It's just if it came down to who's the better pocket player, who's who, who kept the offense, I think, on a better rhythm. The fact that Goddard finally flashed when he'd done none of that with Hurts is, to me, an indictment of Hurts a little bit. Um, yeah, again, I have nothing great to say about Jalen Hurts as a passer. I just I just like to kind of kickstart the argument again. Um, I, I do think Jalen Hurts does, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts has a skill that is that is in, you know, the absolute upper tier of all quarterbacks playing the game right now, right? It's basically him and Lamar Jackson as and Kyler as, uh, as the best, as the best rushing quarterbacks in the game. Josh Allen's not far behind either. Josh Allen is pretty far behind. I mean, just as a pure as a pure runner, right? Like just as a pure runner, well, as there's, pure, there's almost as pure no runners go. I think Jackson and Murray are on their own planet, and those guys, man, I, I felt yeah. sorry for the Bears defenders yesterday. Um, although Jackson, uh, Jackson, I feel sorry for them every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the defense can't get the poncho off either. Let me, <laughs> let me before we leave the quarterbacks. Let me ask you about one other guy, and and this ties into a uh, rushing profile. So obviously Russell Wilson had struggled since returning from the the surgery to his finger. A couple of really ugly early starts. He's thrown a couple of touchdown passes in each of his last two games. The San Francisco game was fine. At least they they you know, they kept some drives going. They didn't have like 19 minutes of total possession or anything like that. It was, I mean, we can argue that it was better. I I guess my, my biggest worry with Russell Wilson right now is that, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't run for more than like 30 or 32 yards in any game this season. He's averaging almost exactly what he did against the Niners, right? I think he carried three times for 15 yards. His average on the season is basically three carries a game for 14.8 yards, or at least it was coming in. Is he just no longer a dual threat quarterback? Do we need to think of him as like a unithreat quarterback? And if so, he really needs to be the hyper-efficient Russell Wilson that we'd, that we'd come to know. Not a fantasy factor the rest of the season. He's 33. We'll see where he lands next year. I, I've, I think most of us think he's going to a new team. They played a slow place, pace. We were told that Waldron, the new OC, oh, you know, we're going to play up tempo. Oh, we're going to do all this stuff. Yeah. Everything everything Shane Waldron said to us apparently is a lie. Now, it, it hurts when Wilson you know, uh, injures his finger. And as I think you pointed out, Wilson was actually playing at a very high level early in the season. He had really good stats in September. But yeah. um, he, he's not playable right now. I don't think he's rosterable right now. And, and I understand that. Sometimes you see a player like Russell Wilson and you think, i I got to cut him. Like, oh, no, I can't cut him. Somebody else can pick him up. Then I'll lose because he plays. No, no, no. Don't be afraid of that. Dare your dare your opponent to pick up Russell Wilson. We'll <laughs> reevaluate when he's on the Steelers next year, the Broncos next year, the Panthers next year. It's time. Just like the, you know, the Patriots and Brady, it was time. You know, they had a great run. Everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. It's time for the Seahawks. And and um, Wilson to to get divorced. It's time for Ben Roethlisberger to retire. It's time for Jalen Hurts to you know maybe start a baseball career, basketball career, and let Gardner, <laughs> let Gardner Minshew take over in Philadelphia. Stuff like that. <laughs> These things are inevitable, Andy. You know. Oh, that wow, wow, well done, well played. Um, yeah, Houston coming up next for Seattle, so I guess that's a get right spot for him. Then the Rams, then the uh, then the Bears. Who knows what sort of state the Bears defense is going to be in at that point. 
Yeah, I just like to see him take off a few a few times. I'd I'd like to see the occasional forty yard rushing effort, fifty yard rushing effort, just the sort of thing that we come to. This is almost like the baseball player who used to steal, you know, eighteen yeah, twenty five bases yeah. a year, and now it's like four. These are Russell, Russell Wilson stealing four bases this year. You just have to accept it. Yeah, I can tell you've been writing some baseball blurbs. Let's get to the let's get to the wide receivers. I think the biggest injury by far from the week past is uh, Adam Thielen. With the ankle sprain, um, almost impossible to imagine in a short week on Thursday night that he could come back in four days. Um, that was that was pretty ugly uh, when it happened in real time, and it leads to KJ Osborne. I think getting pretty interesting. He was a he was a guy they were throwing to a fair amount early in the season. Like it's, you know, it it's hard to it's hard to be a viable fantasy play if you're the third receiving option on a team that only only wants to throw to two guys, which is basically what the Vikings have been, um, you know, for years now. But now that Osborne presumably gets elevated a bit, um, coming off a game with seven targets, had a touchdown, uh, obviously a perfectly reliable piece of that offense. I think he's interesting. I, I will again say that I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is super interesting. He's seen 19 targets from Aaron Rodgers uh, in his last two games. They come back with the Bears, with the Ravens, with a couple of defenses that have just specialized in giving up long plays, right? And what is what does MVS do? He's the air yards guy. Um, leads the leads the NFL right now in air yards per target. So really difficult for me to imagine that there's not a big play coming against the Bears and then another big play or two coming against the Ravens. Uh, obviously, the Ravens are are banged up in the secondary right now. Didn't have any corners left really, which is why they went for two at the end of the Steelers game. According to their coach, um, who else? Russell Gage coming off a huge week. Uh, it's, you know, I always feel like there's a there's a point in every season where you get tempted by Russell Gage coming off, you know, some huge target total. Well, he's had it now, right? Like 12 targets in his last game, I think 15 in the previous two. So um, huge target totals for Gage and he, and he kind of popped and he's got he's got Carolina coming up. Then he's got the Niners. Then he's got Detroit. So there's some there's some friendly spots ahead. Maybe Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, the rookie who caught the uh, the game winning touchdown for the Lions. That was it felt like maybe a signature game for him. Double digit targets, obviously a huge catch at the end, really productive performance. And I don't know. You sort those guys out. See if you like any of them. You know, I I didn't think when I saw Gage's big game, I thought I was just going to shrug it off. But his production the previous month had actually been playable and consistent. It hadn't been explosive. He finally had the double-digit target game. You know, Mike Salfino has a rule. He, I'll go back to fantasy baseball for a second. We, we used to talk about anytime somebody struck out 10 guys in a game, you should just pick them up. And maybe that number's gone down because starting pitchers don't last yeah. as long. I feel like there's a target rule that anytime somebody has maybe double-digit targets, you just have to consider them a fantasy pickup because that – that means they have carved out a role, a market share. And if the production went with those targets, it's one thing if you had like the 11 target three catch game, okay, you know, the team's going to go a different direction. But when somebody has targets in production, that just leads to that player probably getting a bigger share of the role going forward. So I actually think Gage, I don't know why certain things work in Atlanta and certain things don't. I don't know why Arthur Smith has the skeleton key for Cordero Patterson, but he doesn't have it for Kyle Pitts. I can't yeah. believe that every scout was wrong on Kyle Pitts. I, I just think that's a failure of the Atlanta organization more than anything, a comment on Kyle Pitts. And I'm going to try to draft Kyle Pitts next year, but I don't understand it. I'll sign off on Gage. The thing with St. Brown is, the Lions stopped holding every play. You know, Goff, when your offensive <laughs> line is holding as much as it was you know, the, the previous month, the quarterback feels like he has to get rid of the ball right away. You can't let routes develop. You actually saw Goff back, take a beat, take a beat, look for a receiver, look for a secondary receiver. 
Goff's had three or four good games this season. He, he, I thought he played very well against Minnesota, so I, I can sign off on that. You know, Osborne caught a touchdown, just missed a, sec- a second touchdown. Remember what Thielen does, right? I mean, he's a red zone specialist. He's unbelievable yeah. in space. We all know Justin Jefferson, in my mind, I think you could say he's the number one receiver in, in Dynasty now because um, he's just uncoverable. And the fact that Thielen was out of the game and, and you think, oh, well, Detroit's just going to focus on Jefferson now. There's no there's no stopping Justin Jefferson. They can tell you what the play is, and you can't stop Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And the Vikings have finally admitted that they have to pepper him with targets. But the fact that Osborne was getting some some of the Thielen stuff, right, some of the goal line looks, the slants at the goal line, the the uh, touchdown, the ultimately guy could have had the second one. Minnesota generally has a very narrow tree. They don't throw the ball that many guys. I think Osborne right now has six to nine, maybe you know seven to ten targets coming for him Thursday night. Very playable. And MVS, as you said, you have to live owning rostering MVS. It comes with a certain understanding that there's just going to be games where he he gets targeted six times, only one of them's complete, and you get nothing out of it. But yeah, when he does get a hit, man, it's going to be a 55 yard touchdown. Rogers is still playing at a high level. Um, we know how Rodgers feels about the Chicago defense. He made it clear to all of Chicago the last time they played. So interesting. He's, he's not wrong. Rainbow. He's, not, he's wrong. not wrong. He is not wrong at all. So, uh, And also, uh, if, if you're scraping, uh, we know the Titans are not playing anybody they want to play, right? Henry's out and, and Julio's out and A.J. Brown's out. So maybe Nick Westbrook-Akine against the uh, the friendly get-well Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe there's like a 70, 80-yard game waiting under your Christmas tree uh, with Nick. Uh, yeah, I, ho- I actually hope that's right. I need him in a in a 20-team league, 20-team league. Um, yikes. Uh, let's hit the tight ends. You mentioned the Logan, the Logan Thomas injury earlier, uh, believed to be an ACL and MCL as we're, as we're speaking now. That's, that's rough because um, he'd just come back. Really good player um, and obviously scored this past week. Sure looked like he scored the week before. Potential pickups here. We we have to talk about Tyler Conklin again because uh, he's coming off a not only a significant target total, but he also presumably would benefit a bit from the absence of Adam Thielen on Thursday night. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones would be the natural replacement for Logan Thomas. He's dealt with injury as well, but at least he returned to practice uh, last week, so that that is presumably a good sign. And then, uh, and then it gets really ugly. Um, I did mention James O'Shaughnessy in the column because he kind of steps into that Dan Arnold workload. Dan Arnold was barely playable before, and O'Shaughnessy is perhaps not at his level. So I don't know that that's exciting to anybody. But hey, those are the names. Yeah, that's what we want—the poor man's Dan Arnold, right? <laughs> O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm feeling Ricky Shields Jones. Maybe, maybe I just yeah. always have a soft spot for the hyphenated name. And remember when Ricky, Ricky Shields. Jones and, and Aston Safari and Jenkins were both around. So you'd talk about RSJ, you'd talk about ASJ. <laughs> you'd also talk about getting like two points on Sunday because those guys generally let us down more often than not. This is, this is tight end pickups. You're not going to get lucky with guys. Conklin has been borderline playable. You could argue he's kind of been an NFC version of Arnold where it's, okay, if you're just looking for 45 yards or maybe 50 yards, you know, the occasional touchdown, he can do that. I would think five to seven targets are coming his way against Pittsburgh. Maybe I'd say 15, 20% chance at a touchdown. Conklin's the quote-unquote star of this group. And then uh, I would I would look to Ricky Seals-Jones as your secondary option. Yeah, Conklin actually coming off a nine-target game, seven catches, 56 yards against Detroit. 
not particularly busy in the two prior games, but he's had one, two, three, four games this season with at least seven targets. So that's something. Um, he's basically always giving you three catches, 30 some yards, and the ceiling isn't that much higher. But hey, who knows against Pittsburgh with no Thielen uh, in the mix. Before we before we wrap this thing up, uh, why don't you give me a guy? Why don't you give me a guy that you're dropping this week for any of these ads? Well, I'll give you a guy. I need the drop. I've rostered him most of the season in several leagues and he, he played well early, but Corey Davis injuries have submarined him. The Jets offense has submarined him. And the sad thing is when Zach Wilson's on the, look, they have to play Zach Wilson, right? He was the number two pick. They, they got to do, try to do something with him. We've, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about developing players and giving them a chance to grow. I'm not silly enough to suggest that anybody else on the Jets is a future quarterback other than maybe Zach Wilson, although maybe it's not Zach, Zach Wilson either. But the fantasy takeaway is right now, Zach Wilson's probably the fourth best quarterback that the Jets have. They played better with everybody else. So between Corey Davis being hurt, Corey Davis and Wilson, that that's a problem. And there's other, you know, now that Moore has kind of spread his wings, he's the best receiver here. They have running backs who command touches. Um, I have to, even if you out there, wise fantasy manager, have long since given up on Corey Davis, uh, I have not in some leagues this week, even without corresponding ads, I will be getting rid of all of my Corey Davis stock. Do you, you know, somebody we mentioned earlier, do you, do you really think Russell Wilson is a, I mean, he's probably a, a plausible drop for some people. Sure, for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Frank Schwab and I co-managed a team uh, where we're scrapping to try to make the playoffs and we we're debating whether or not to play Garoppolo or Wilson this week. And I said, you know what, let's just pick up, uh, we picked up Heineke and we, we played Heineke over Wilson. I, I gave Frank the option to overrule me on that, but he was fine with Heineke. As it turns out, they both had about the same score. Um, so I think in that league, we might actually still have Wilson. Not that Heineke's, again, not lighting the world on fire. He just lost his tight end. But it just shows you that the that's, a, I want to say, a 16-team league. So there's a lot. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks available. That's why we've rostered more than one of them. But here's the thing with quarterbacks, right? If you're not good, if he's not good enough to play right now, there's no reason to have the backup. There's going to be something if you need it in an emergency. Don't Don't carry Russell Wilson. He's a drop. Yeah. And again, he's he's simply not rushing this season. It hasn't happened in any game. So you can't talk yourself into this idea that there's a that there's a rushing floor here because the rushing floor so far this year has been like 12 yards out the window. It's gone. Not coming back. Yeah. OK, my my official drop. And, and this is a little bit painful for me. Uh, it is a it is a drop that I have actually made today earlier before we uh, before we hopped on the on the pod. So this it's is Alan not... Robinson, right? You finally got rid of Alan Robinson. <laughs> no, not yet. I'm still holding on. This is a this is not a theoretical drop for me. This is a drop that I recently made. I'm I'm throwing in the towel on Rashad Bateman. I love him. Um, I love him as a prospect. I can't. I don't. I don't make the personnel decisions. I don't make the hierarchical decisions for uh, Baltimore. And he's he's just not playing enough. He's he's been on the field for about 45 percent of the snaps in each of the last two games He's coming off a game with a single target. And you just like you you mentioned earlier, you're an automatic pickup. If you have like a double digit target game, you're almost an automatic drop. If if you're if you're vulnerable to a to a one target game, I just I just can't have that. He's you're not playing half the snaps. I think he's going to be really good. I like coming into the season. I thought he was a perfect complimentary piece given everything else that they have in that receiving core, right between, between Andrews and, and Marquise Brown. I just thought that, that there was a, there was a clear role for Rashad Bateman. I think we, I think we saw it as soon as he was active this year. 
But, you know, Rashad Bateman playing behind Sammy Watkins is not a thing I can approve of. But if it's going to continue to happen, you just you just can't roster Bateman. Yeah, he might be playing behind Devin DuVernay, too. And, you know, we yeah. like it when development is linear, right, where it's like a plane taking off. But sometimes development isn't linear. I think Rashad Bateman played a lot better than anybody had a reason to expect when he finally debuted in the middle of the season. But it's gone backwards. They've apparently lost trust in him, and you don't have time. We're at the point now where if somebody needs a prove-it week before you're going to want to play them, you might as well just cut them. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's totally true. You and I are uh, of of an era in fantasy when we used to, we used to write columns on like who the third year breakout receiver was going to be. Right, that used to be the rule, and so and it can still happen for Rashad Bateman. Like you don't have to blow up as a rookie. We've just gotten so accustomed now to you know you go back to the Beckham Evans Benjamin season, right? Like we've just gotten so. Yeah. Yeah, so accustomed to to first year receivers, um, you know. That was so great. long ago. That's when Sammy Watkins was good. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're totally you're totally right. You're totally was that that may have been, was that his first year as well. Watkins was in, this, was in that class too. That was that was the receiver class because it used to be not only did we write the column on the first on the third year receiver breakout, but we used to always say, oh, just don't draft rookie receivers, you know. Other than like yeah, Randy yeah, Moss, these guys are always going to break your heart. And in 2014, they said, haha, you know, watch us smash the league. Beckham Beckham popped. In the middle of the year, Evans was a league winner. Um, but Watkins was in that class. And, and then we of saw... Course you, of course, we, you know, you, I mean, you know who the best receiver is from that class. Who's that? It's Devontae Adams. Um, it's, a, it's a guy Tucker who had his struggles. Fresno yeah. State, yeah. Um, who, there's a guy who took time to develop. I, he, he improved the most of any player I've ever seen. When I saw him early in his career, right. I he just couldn't right. play. But um, he made himself into a great player. And I'm curious to see what happens with him. I, I mean, you as a struggling Bears fan, I mean... This might be the offseason where you say goodbye to both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I'm sure you won't miss those guys. I can't wait for it. Um, I, I thank you for putting that out in the world. I, this could be I, the last time. This, this week could be the last time you have to deal with Rodgers to Adams. This could be the last time you have to deal with it. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope it is. Um, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up for this. What a great note to go out on, by the way, the idea of thinking about those two no longer tormenting the Bears. I love it. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode. But we will, of course, keep the conversation going on Twitter. Follow me at Andy Barons, And, of course, follow him. That's Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski for fantasy news and analysis from the whole team. Please make sure that you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab for the betting preview of week 14 in the NFL. We are at week 14, people. But until then, we are out.